Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 18 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood along with Andrew Martin. And I want to start off real quick by pointing out that we've been having some technical problems with the volume. Um, it might sound better this week. I don't know. I'm going to see what I can do with it. But I, at this point, I don't know what's causing that problem. And it's something to do with my internet connection, but I'm not entirely sure. So I apologize for that off the top. Um, but I think everything should be audible. Anyway. Let's hope so. Yes. Um, going into the news for the week, obviously the big news is that we've lost Troy Tulowitzki for six to eight weeks uh, due to a wrist or arm hand bone injury. Um, Chris Nelson was called up from AAA. We've seen him in two games now. Um, you know, a lot of people were coming straight out of the gate with a lot of pessimistic predictions about uh, what this meant for our season and what this meant for, you know, the team dynamic. But so far, without without him, we're two and one, albeit against a kind of struggling Brewers team. But I think it's a little bit early to be jumping the gun and saying we're done. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, it always is. It's one of those excitable things where, well, Tulu Whiskey is one of the only bats that seems to be performing this season. <clears throat> My, note that I said seems to because some people have been batting better than we give them credit for. But, uh, yeah, Tulowitzki going down. It just takes a guy out of the middle of the lineup. He's a fan favorite. He's a shortstop. He's a na 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 na. Yeah, we're 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 screwed because we lost our favorite player. I, I don't think we're given the depth enough credit. I mean, yes, Johnny Herrera does not look too phenomenal on paper, and Chris Nelson's a big question mark, and we, you know, Clint Barmers is kind of an own quantity, but uh, I I don't think we're giving the team enough credit here in thinking that Tulowitzki is the hinge pin. We've we found ways in the past few games, except well, except today's really, but uh, to uh, kind of make up for that offensive uh, gap, so to speak, we had Jonathan Herrera perform last night. Uh, Brad Hops picked it up a little bit. Um, let's see. It also hurts that we're, we've been missing Carlos Gonzalez these last three days as well due to a bruised knee, but he should be back Tuesday. And I really, I think that uh, I, th I think really the thing that excites me about all this is hopefully getting a chance to see Chris Nelson get some playing time. Um, you know, being an, a number one draft pick and all back from uh, 2004, isn't it? Yeah, 2004. Um, you know, I it's just one of those things where I wouldn't want to see him make the team this way, but with no other choice, I'm getting kind of excited to see what he can do. Oh yeah, I mean, with the guy who's got first round talent there, you you know something's got to show up, but it's just kind of a uh, <clears throat> scary to think that uh, we're 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 throwing him to the wolves this way, especially with his injury history and stuff. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where we've joked about it even on on the the podcast here about you know someone breathed funny and Chris Nelson hit the seven day DL, and. I don't know. It's a kind of. I'm glad that he, he's been crushing the springs, which is very, very, very encouraging. So hopefully he can provide some offensive value. Um, we were there with the uh, the big purple row barbecue, uh, all there at the game to watch him take his first plate appearance, which was a sacrifice bunt fielder's choice that he reached on, and it was kind of a confusing play right there. But hey, it worked. Uh, and then today he hit the the ball pretty hard off Randy Wolf right back at him. I mean, yeah. he could very easily have gotten his first hit there, but just right in the wrong spot for that. And everybody, even Chris Nelson, were kind of smiled and smiling and amused by it. But yeah, uh, I mean, go go figure. You're you know you're hitting the ball. <clears throat> you hit the ball well. Your first you know at bat up, and you uh, happen to hit a comebacker. Like, yeah. A disgusting comebacker. Like yeah, that. W one that Randy Wolf just happened to be right in the right spot. Yeah, to exactly. Catch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, Jonathan Herrera has been getting most of the playing time, which I think is fair. A lot of people have been confused by that, but you know, e e easing Chris Nelson into it is, uh, I think a reasonable, uh, decision. And I, I would be willing to bet he starts sometime in the next three days against the Red Sox. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by this either. It's not as if the organization said, well, Chris Nelson's the guy. They even clearly said all the beat reports said, the Rockies are going to ease Chris Nelson into playing time. They're not just going to come up and say, hey, kid, you're the starter. Never seen it before. Go for it. Which is more or less smart then. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. plus actually, it's it. I'd kind of forgotten this, but going back and thinking about Jonathan Herrera's previous time with the Rockies back in 2008, he actually wound up in a starting role himself. Because well, that was because we lost Barmas and, and Tulowitzki. Yeah, and we had Quintanilla and Herrera <laughs> in the middle. 
It was not a pretty situation. It was not. That, that whole early go in 2007 was not pretty. We had uh, a bullpen that included such names as Darren Clark and Zach McClellan. And, uh, was that the uh, – no, Tom, Tom Martin's swan song was 2007. It was, but yeah. – uh, yeah, I mean, he 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 was going to be in the pen anyway. I'm thinking more of where like half our bullpen was hurt, and uh, we had to call up these these crazy names. And I mean, back then I didn't know anything about our minor league system, so I hadn't heard of any of them. Mm-hmm. And Alberto Arias was there. Of course, he was better than the other two. But um, yeah, that was just a period of time that was ugly. And it was, I mean, in some ways, it was similar to the beginning of this season, where it seemed like we had like six players go down at once. And uh, we had to kind of fight through that adversity, and now it looks like we're we're we've been getting most of them back. Of course, Tulowitzki has kind of continued the the injury pattern, so to speak. I guess the good news is is that we're a little further along in the de- organizational developments, and we have to call up emergency guys. It's not as if we have to go for the, you know, we don't want like in 2008. It seemed we were calling up a lot of guys we had no options, so we were calling we called up Greg Reynolds, for example, and he was. Well, may may the man's career rest in peace. But uh, <clears throat> um, other guys, I mean, like like McClellan, like uh, just just the guys that we called up then were not exactly considered to be top notch uh, pitching candidates, right? We, we, and we didn't we did but we didn't want to go and do something ridiculous like call up Chasin way 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 too early. Right. He was a Modesto at that point, and I believe <laughs> Rogers was too. And and you you, you see the point there. We oh yes. We didn't want to call up our, you know, our prospects who were probably the best because they were nowhere near ready. So we just figured, well, what the heck? Let's just burn a couple of these AAA guys and see what they can do. And but in this situation here, I mean, I guess the good thing is our contingency plans are. I mean, as awful as Wandering Cone is, <clears throat> well, as awful as he is, he struck out the side after Corpus allowed a million zillion runs to cross. So, uh, you know, good for him. But I mean, we guess we know historically that Wandering Cone is not exactly a very good pitcher, and. Uh, much as I would love to, you know, say something nice about him, I guess the point is that he is major league quality of some sort, as opposed to guys who really have no business being in the majors, but we have literally no other options. Mm-hmm. He, we have options now. It is a good spot for him where he can be, uh, you know, kind of back and forth. Uh, we, we can have him, him up when we need him and really never again. Because yeah. there's really not much of a chance he's going to ever get claimed when we designate him for assignment. Kind of like with Paul Phillips has yeah. been kind of serving the same role for catcher the past two years. I guess I'm I'm kind of surprised still not to dive into catchers too much, but just the fact that a guy of Phillips' quality because he's 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 not a major league starter, but he is like a he clear can, yes. legitimate guy who could pl- be a major league ba- backup. And he's a, he's a fantastic influence on the team. Every, yeah. I mean, uh, Shasin and Rogers, who were getting to know him in AAA, were both swearing by him up here, and were, were really and he was helping them out a lot. So yeah, I mean, so good for uh, good for Phillips with them. I mean, you see the point that I'm making here. Just can't. Why is nobody picking up on him? And I'm guess I'm glad we're not because. <clears throat> if Ionetta struggles continue when a trade happens or something, I mean, you see the idea here. It's good mm-hmm. that we have a backup who isn't a complete and utter joke at the major league level. Like, I can't think of anybody in particular here, but and most of the minor leagues are pretty swarming with guys of Phillips' caliber, so I shouldn't be that surprised. But when someone's just right there on waivers, I'm surprised that at least some team doesn't say, well, yeah, let's, yeah, okay, we'll go for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, it depends on roster uh, space and stuff like that. Because when you claim somebody off waivers, they have to go on your roster. Yeah. So if they if there's no room, and I mean, you'd think maybe places like Milwaukee, for example, yeah. who are short on catchers, could use somebody like him. But that Lucroy guy is. Seems I was going to say, uh, did you not see Lucroy on Saturday? He raises batting average forty points against us. He seems to be uh, kind of hitting the majors hard, and I mean, his, he already had a high average, so he uh, he was doing he was doing well. I mean, I I have trouble hating guys who are. I have trouble hating a lot of Major League Baseball players, so just because I can't do what they do, and it takes an awful lot of work and an awful lot of skill to do stuff. When you get guys who are are just so talented that you know that they could be like you know sweeping the awards or leading their team to glory or whatever, and they just don't try, yeah, I don't like those guys. <clears throat> but guys who are borderline Major Leaguers and they try real hard and they get that magical call up. I just, I, I can't get mad at a guy who's making the most of it. Like LaCroix was, mm-hmm. I just wish it was against, you know, San Diego. 
Or LA, yeah. Or LA. I mean, I don't care. Just someone not us who could possibly impact our playoff chances. I was just thinking about this. How um, how weird is it that Nelson and uh, Gomez, who are were our starting Double A AA and Triple A middle infielders, are now one at the MLB level and one at the short season level? Yeah, I mean, go. I mm, if the kid could stay healthy, <clears throat> I might actually have a little bit of hope for Gomez. But I, I got to give it to Nelson. At the very least, he has made it to the major league level. How long he sticks here is another story entirely. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe he'll suddenly get healthy and be a very positive influence on the team for years to come. And, of course, best-case scenario, he usurps the second base spot somehow. Exactly. I mean, no if Never mind. I was just going to say, <laughs> no offense to our current guys, but I'm like, wait a minute. There's no way to not be offensive and say, hey, you're not good enough. I think this 24-year-old guy should take your job. Uh-huh. But, uh... I guess the big there's still you know a couple years Gomez is still pretty young so there's still a good chance that he could kind of take a Chris Nelson route and just kind of continue hurting himself all the way up the ladder but uh whatever good for Nelson that he made it this far I have and I hate to be pessimistic but I just don't have that hope for Gomez at least Nelson's bat has come around every level he's been at at some point and Gomez just hasn't really showed it to us strong defensively got a cannon of an arm from shortstop yeah, I mean, you're going to have to back that up if you're going to make us look past your injury history and keep promoting you. I don't think we're going to see Gomez stay at Tri-Cities the entire season. He'll oh, no, probably... This is, like a, this is like a rehab assignment. It is, kind of. But, I mean, he's still he's still technically part of their roster for now. And, I mean, until the spot opens up in Tulsa or in Modesto or even in Asheville, until he gets the chance to move up one or three levels, you know, he's going to stay down there. And again, make, make no bones about it. I'm just being pessimistic here. I, <clears throat> I don't see either Nelson or Gomez or Herrera or whoever as really being able to take the, the job. I hope Nelson at least, cause he's here now and I hope he proves us wrong the rest of the season, but I'm in the camp of we should be looking elsewhere for help. We've had uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a couple of minutes some of the uh, cha- some of the possibilities in terms of looking elsewhere for help. But we've had a lot of interesting kind of breakout seasons in terms of middle infielders this year in, in the in the uh, organization because we we've seen Thomas Field catch fire, we've seen uh, James Cesario do pretty well, we've seen uh, Warren Schaefer who uh, you know still is not really. Uh, particularly eye-dropping prospect, but we saw him get a surprise promotion to AAA, and we saw him hit the floor running there. Um, and, of course, now he's back down. So, um, but I, don't no. remember, I don't remember if it was you or someone else commenting on the kind of the butterfly effect that happened when Tulewitzki went down. I think that was me because I was, I was updating for Project Libra, and it's mm-hmm. funny how Tulewitzki goes down, so Chris Nelson goes up. And then now there's a hole for middle infielders at AAA, so they call up Ader Torres from Tulsa to take that spot. And then they call up Matt Repek from I, – I, I think it's Repek. I don't know how to say his last it name It might be correctly. Repek, but go – Yeah. yeah. Um, but and then they – he was at Tulsa, and then they demoted him the day before to Tri-Cities, and then they called him right back up when uh, they, the opening happened. So it's just funny how that works. Yeah. It's good to know that we have the chain of command there. I mean, it's not as if anybody was necessarily being blocked because, I mean, it's not – I mean, Tulewitzki, I guess he's kind of Helton-esque in the fact that he's not going anywhere. Don't think that Tulewitzki's going to hit a slump and he's going to get benched and you're going to get called up. That's not going to happen. Unless Hurdle somehow starts managing the team again. <laughs> Even still, Hurdle's not the one who makes the call-ups. No, that's true. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking back to when he actually did bench Tulewitzki. That, yeah, well, let's not go there. Well, <laughs> speaking of benching, and I, I, bre- I, I mentioned this just very briefly in a link for tomorrow's uh, for Monday morning's rock pile. It was just it was one of the the beat report columns that Thomas Hart or no, it wasn't even Thomas Harding this time. It was a uh, hang on, I have it right here. It was not uh, Jim Armstrong. That's wrong. Joey Nowak of uh, MLB.com was uh, making his commentary just on the general beat report stuff, and one of them was a. Uh, uh, for Sunday's lineup and how Herrera got another start. And Tracy was saying he wasn't – he might have even started at, uh, started Nelson on Sunday. But he said after Herrera had four, four hits – Four for five, he yeah. Went four for five. He's saying, you know, if his name's on the lineup card, I know that he'll be the first visit I get, and I really don't want to have that visit. So I penciled him in. And I kind of I, – I, I, once again, not meant to be a just straight-up, oh, God, bash the manager. But wasn't that the exact – opposite rationale we had earlier this season when Barmas got benched after after having a good game? 
Yeah, except Tracy really doesn't seem to trust Barmas at all. Very fair, but I don't see why Barmas deserves any less trust than Herrera. Well, no, I, I agree. I'm not saying that it, it, there's not some sort of strange uh, lack of logic there. It's just uh, he's he's never really been afraid to bench Barmas, I, I, it seems like. Well, now um, he's going to have to be afraid to bench Barmas. Well, yeah, no, that's true. And, and I, don't think, is, I don't think he will anymore. <laughs> I, 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 Barmas is the only remaining guy on the roster I really trust at shortstop. Nelson's never graded out as being that good of a defensive shortstop. You know, average passable gets the job done. You don't bench him on his defense. Hmm. Probably you might not even double switch for him in late innings unless you really have like a complete whiz with a glove. But the point being that uh, Barmas is, despite what we've seen, the mistakes he's made at second base this year and the fact that the, the UZR hates him and stuff like that. I mean, I really like Barmas at shortstop and second base. Yeah, I, do too. I still, I, I still like him more at shortstop than second base. And I, this this is my dirty confession. I actually like Barmas a little more defensively at shortstop than Tulowitzki, and it it's it has more to do with. I, I, I talk about this in the rock pile too that I, that you'll be reading in the morning, but uh, um, when Tulowitzki will make the ridiculous ranging play, he'll make the giant lollipop throw from the foul line because he's that far over by that point, and it'll somehow be on the money to Helton. Still, it's awesome. It's amazing to watch, but I feel my heart skip a beat if it's in a tight situation. With Barmas, he makes this, it maybe doesn't range quite as far, but it'll still range, you know, deep. Get the ball, plant, and make, you know, just a, a, a super laser straight shot right at Helton. And maybe it'll one hop him rather than Helton having to pick it out of the air. But he'll, but I mean, Helton can pick up one hoppers. That's why he's Todd Helton. And do you, do you think that there's any, that, that kind of Tulowitzki's defensive style is a little bit more style over substance, maybe? I would say that. I, 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 would I mean, say I'm, the I'm not I, trying I, to lead you down a path where you like accidentally say he's a bad defender. We all acknowledge that he's fantastic. Charlie but... Lewitsky is a very good defender, and I'm not questioning that at all. It's on the table there. It's just something about the way Barmas handles things so tight and mechanically. It just seems like I trust him a little bit more making defensive plays. Not that I don't trust Tulowitzki's hands or whatever. It's really, there's I can't back this up with anything other than just that weird gut feeling of Barmas has it. He's not going to rush it. I mean, even though he might, I mean, like I said, this, this, you could find a zillion reasons to tell me how wrong I am here. And I'd be like, you know what? You're right. I am just going off a, off a totally baseless perception. I, a lot of it was like the double play that they turned in the first inning against Milwaukee on Saturday. Uh, Herrera flips to Barmas, takeout slides coming in. And rather than doing the Tulowitzki sprawl forward, legs flailing in the air, makes the throw. Barmas just kind of, you know, does a little bunny hop there, makes a, makes a sharp throw. I'm what like, if, was that was that so hard? Was that so hard? What have you thought of Herrera's defense so far? I haven't had too much to say about it. It's been second base defense. He hasn't been miserable from what I've seen. I mean, it's not Melvin Mora. That's a plus. Uh, it's not Ian Stewart at second. That's a plus. It's kind of funny because I'm actually kind of opposite than you. I kind of do have a lot to say about it because he's demonstrated some very fantastic successes and then a couple of ridiculous failures. Um, well, the most obvious of which in the failure category was what the on Sunday, the game last Sunday, the game I was at where he, he booted a ball out into the outfield. Yeah. Um, but today he uh, made some incredible plays. Uh, did you happen to catch the game? Uh, I honestly, I did not catch the game. I was doing family things all day today. I, I read the score update, watched a couple highlights, but I will admit that I was not able to watch the game. I was seeing toy story three with my family. Nice. Uh, yeah, Herrera made some good plays today. I think he made some good plays last night as well. Um, so, I mean, a bunch of, uh, comments popped up in the comment section that people were impressed with, uh, what he did these past couple days. So, um, I would definitely leave, if it were me running the team, and I do think they're going to do this too, is they're going to leave Barmouth as a shortstop, short, cause, yeah. no matter what. And because, because Nelson doesn't have a future as a shortstop in the majors. That's true. Well, so I, I, not I, with I, us. I think, not with us. You're right. My thought Someone is, else is that might be willing to give him the shot. If they are going to play Nelson in the majors in the middle infield, he will be at second base because that is where we see him going forward with the team. Mm -hmm. So in the event that something, um, I mean, you know, we're and we're obviously excluding weird double switches that happened late in the game and stuff. And I, and I don't mean to say that in a snide way, but just. You know, Nelson can play shortstop if we absolutely need him to. But as far as starting lineups, I mean, seeing it, I, I'm expecting Nelson at um, second base, which I thought was kind of funny on Saturday's game as well, that they put – when they, they made the double switch and they pinch hit for Barmas, and Giambi hit a sack fly. Mm -hmm. um, 
they and they'd already had Nelson do that bunt, and they had her, and they had they moved Herrera to shortstop and kept Nelson at second. I just found that to be amusing because Nelson played shortstop in Triple A, and I don't know, and and um Herrera, yeah, Her- Herrera has much more experience in second than does Nelson. I, I just thought it was kind of funny that they were flip flopped. It obviously didn't make any difference because the two of them really didn't have many opportunities. Mm-hmm. But I just I was like, why don't they just put Nelson at short and Herrera at second? Because that's what they do in ter- that's what they're used to in AAA, and it's not exactly like they have a long major league history ahead of them or behind them. Here's it, a- it, was, it, it was more just a humorous observation. It obviously had no bearing. And, and I was talking with Matt Musia, and he was saying, you know, well, this is what basically I just said a minute or two ago that Nelson's a second baseman, if anything, and and it was I just thought it was humorous that they were flip flopped, and that's the entire point of this little talk here here's a here's a random tangent uh if you didn't see today's game i take it you didn't hear anything about today's triple a game i heard i know I, I saw twitter i definitely checked my uh my tweets when i got home and stuff like that and go dex yeah it was a a uh oh darn i i, I can't remember the term it's a natural cycle but backwards yeah the a backwards yeah yeah home run, triple, yeah. Double yeah i read that uh, from ringlesby uh, I was in the comments section, and somebody asked me, has Dex hit for the cycle yet, when I mentioned he was 4 for 4, and I, I didn't think he did, so I said, nah. And then I went back and looked, and I was like, oh, he did. <laughs> Just kidding. He sure did. Yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i glad, at the very least, that both he and I and Etta, when they went down, didn't lose a step down there. That's That's good for development. It's keeping him in a holding pattern until we think that he's ready to come back. So, um... Anyway, let's talk for a little bit about uh, external options for middle infield. Uh, do you have any names or ideas? Yeah. I mean, the obvious one that comes into mind because we were looking at – well, I was looking at him in the offseason was is Kelly, Kelly Johnson. Johnson. We obviously have the hesitation with trading in division, but it really depends on what the Diamondbacks would want. And they – I don't think they're desperate enough at this point to get value for him. They're, they should be, but, uh, I mean, they just traded Connor Jackson – what's holding them back. I mean, I think they're just trying to, to, uh, see, uh, what options are out there. Mm-hmm. And I, if, I mentioned, and, I mentioned that I'd be willing to trade as Mill Rogers for him. Um, I don't think that would get it done. And I, I well, know you, I'm right. sure you agree. That's kind of what everybody said. Well, m- my response when people were telling me it wasn't enough was, well, I can't say that. Cause I don't know. I don't know oh, what they're looking for. I don't know what kind of expectations they have. I don't know what kind of demands they're going to make. So I guess the point was, you know, that's about how high I'd be willing to go for him. Well, if we trade anybody from our organization, I'm guessing it will be a pitching prospect because we have a trillion of them. Mm-hmm. And two of them, specifically Rodgers and Reynolds, are making the team next year or they're gone. Yeah, and I don't, I don't see um, Arizona being desperate enough to accept Greg Reynolds for Kelly Johnson. No, I don't either. Even if we package Rodgers and Reynolds, I don't see them being that desperate because it's not as if we're talking about Ian Kennedy, who struggled with the Yankees but had inconsistent time and just couldn't seem to figure things out but dominated AAA. Yeah. We're talking about Greg Reynolds who can't seem to dominate Double A anymore, and he just can't. Well, I guess he's still in. Is he? No, he was just got off the DL. But, yeah, uh, but he is in Double A now. He's been with Double A most of the time. Yeah. So the the point being is that it's not as if he is. It's all there. He just you know he can't seem to climb that hill or get over that hump or whatever. Yeah, I think it's, I think that premature call up in two thousand eight was just awful for his development. Yeah, the the developmental setback he had from just getting rocked in the majors, along with the fact that he is apparently made out of balsa wood. It, it, I just feel bad for the guy, but the point being back to Arizona, I don't see them taking our swing starter max out potential guy in Rodgers and our former first round pick who just straight up and down can't stay healthy as I mean, if we're going to trade him former first round picks, how about Bronson Sardinia as well? I mean, <laughs> anybody else you guys want that isn't going to make our team ever because they're not actually good. They're not going to trade away, you know, because Kelly Johnson is nothing but value for them, but I just, right. I, the way the economic climate has changed in our country, as well as with baseball's front offices, is that I they everyone wants to hold their prospects. So I don't think Arizona is going to get the bundle they might have hoped for, and uh, yeah, they're kind of stuck. So right. I mean, I we what I figure the organization will do as far well, I, well before we touch on that, I think the next option I would look at is. Uh, well, it, it kind of depends on Seattle's desperation as well, but maybe Jose Lopez. I mean, he's moved to third, and sh- and Sean Figgins has moved to second. They just should have flip flop, and Lopez kind of figured out how to field again. Um, he's not a bad bat. He's a good gap hitter. Um, 
I, I don't hate the idea of breaking up, picking up Jose Lopez. And I mean, granted, I'm just talking to a few Mariners fans who were, you know, talking about this, but, uh, you know, they seem to think that the the job would, the deal would be done if Jose Lopez for like, you know, a B level prospect. Mm-hmm. And interesting. I, I don't hate the idea of picking him up. I mean, in fact, I'm running a sim game where I did pick him up. And in fact, I traded Jason Hamill for Brandon League and, uh, and, and Jose Lopez. Hmm. Um, the fan base hated me for it too, but hey, you know what? Whatever. We won 101 games, and I didn't cheat, so yeah. A while back, you were mentioning Aaron Hill. Are you still on board with that? I still like the idea of Aaron Hill. He's still having such a rough season, but I mean, in Toronto's situation, I don't see them as being sellers. Not yet, anyways. I mean, right. the writing's kind of on the wall. The Arizona, not Arizona, Toronto will finish fourth in that division, but it will be one of the better fourth finish. I mean, they might finish better than the American League wild card, you know, or not wild card because it'll probably be. They might finish better than second place in any of the other divisions. Exactly. Is what you're saying. That, yeah. That's what I'm going to get out here. I mean, they might. I was going to say they might finish better than the Twins, but I, the Twins are decent enough. But I think they might finish better than three. American League Central teams, Tigers and, and all Tigers, that stuff. Tigers, White yeah. Sox, and well, definitely the Royals and right, and and Indians. I'm thinking of you know <laughs> they'd be in second place. That said, given Toronto's kind of, uh, I can't even put words on it, but I mean they moved Roy Halladay and they're kind of trying to go with like their youth movement just showed up, and so now they have. Uh, I mean, a lot of their guys got healthy. I mean, even though Jesse Lich got rocked by us, I mean he's got a history as a decent pitcher. Um, you got you got Chops McGowan, you got Ricky Romero. I mean, they, they got they got a lot of decent players. Vernon Wells is suddenly figuring things out again now that he's not injured. Um, but they just they dumped Alex Rios on waivers and lost him entirely. And you might blame that one on J.P. Ricciardi, but the point is is that they're trying to kind of cut some costs, get value where they can. And I don't think that Aaron Hill is a must move for them. I don't think they're in quite as desperate of a situation as Arizona is. Like what Rock's Girl has been saying all season is that Arizona is seeing this is our last chance before we have to blow the whole thing up Mm -hmm. again. And then when Dan Heron suddenly couldn't keep the ball in the park and the entire team just couldn't hit and and the bullpen was completely unable to make outs and all those things combined, they kind of have to be sellers now. And so... Of course, th- their uh, powers that be have made public statements saying, oh, we're not having a fire sale. Yeah, okay. No and then- team's going to admit to a fire sale. Um, oh, I had an interesting thought, and it might have just flitted out of my head. Uh, no, trades. Uh, looking for second base, I think the problem is is that with a guy like Kelly Johnson, we have to think about signability. And because a couple more years of team control left, doesn't he? Or, or not complete team control, but arbitration. He might. Then that then that could be a definite positive. Because in my opinion, I do not want to trade for a rental. Mm-hmm. We're not a team that does rentals. We live and die by our controlled players. Well, we've had some September rentals before. Jose yeah, Contreras. A, exactly. I mean, and that was. I, I think you see my point, though. Yeah, I mean, no, no, gonna, I, I, I do. I wasn't we're not going to trade for Royal for Cliff Lee at the deadline, despite what Mark Hazel thinks. We're not going to trade for big name guy who, you know, will be a free agent after the season, and we're expecting him to be a major impact on the team. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that, which is why I've only ever they've only linked us so far to like Cesaris Torres and basically guys who would be Johnny Herrera with a different name, as far and, as they're and less young team. and more washed up. Exactly, <laughs> and so that doesn't sound like middle infield help to me. If I if I were in Dan O'Dowd's shoes, I would only be looking at guys who we could control past the season, and guys that um I mean that we can look at to try to be our starting second baseman for at least a year or two there, because it's not like Tulowitzki's going to be out forever. Knocking on wood, because I've already ruined Tulowitzki for one season. Um, just knock on some wood real quick here. All right, that's better. Um. We need to make the team better as a whole going forward by doing any trades we make. So if we look at, I mean, if, if we if we go for someone like Johnson, I mean, we we got to make sure we're not gonna, you know, non-tender him like Atlanta did, or you know, make sure that we can at least sign him or something like that going forward, or else we will have given up our precious precious prospects for someone that isn't really gonna go anywhere. I mean, you know, God bless Connor Graham and all of that, but. Like, he wasn't really going to be a major part of the team going forward, given the number of higher caliber prospects ahead of him, like, you know, Rodgers. And then eventually, you know, we got Matt, well, Matzik and, and, and Friedrich and 
Chassin and keep inserting names into here, and Graham's not very high on the list. Those kind of trades I'm not going to cry too hard about. Brandon Heineck kind of stunk to lose, but I think he's already been, you know, what, DFA'd by the White Sox. He, he was outrighted, yeah. So not big losses there. They made smart moves. I mean, Contreras is a bit. So when Aaron Cook went down, we had to make the Contreras move sort of. You know what I'm getting at yeah. there. But they, they – we weren't looking for Contreras to be, oh, he's going to be our number three going forward next year. Or we're not making a trade of magnitude that would say we're losing guys that are going to make a major league impact right. to get Jose Contreras or to get Rafael Betancourt or to get Joe Bimel. So we, so, I mean, if we're going to trade someone, if we're going to make a trade, it's got to be someone who's going to give us some sort of sustained value for a couple of years. And just, that's my bottom line. Just real quick. Uh, one one na- other name I'd been throwing about, is uh, Ricky Weeks, who we just saw with Milwaukee? You said Ricky Weeks a lot. I don't. Do you know? Do you think Milwaukee's in complete sell mode? No, I don't. I my uh, uh, pointing him out was more of a maybe he's available. I I tend to try not to speculate too much about trades. I'm not the kind of person who says, "Oh, let's toss together this package for this guy." I think that he's. You a just player, like Alan though. Johnson too much. You just don't want to lose Alan Johnson and Omar Quintanilla. Yeah, because you know the two of them could get us anybody, but I just can't let them go. Oh, they're <laughs> too deeply implanted in our hearts. <laughs> but no, uh, so it's not necessarily. Oh, we should go out and get Ricky Weeks, but he he does kind of pique my interest because he's got some tools. Uh, he's had some some ups and downs in his career, and therefore. He hasn't quite peaked yet, and therefore we might be able to get him cheaper than we would at another time when he really picks it up. Um, so really, it's just a, something to think about, I think, and I was wondering what thoughts you might have had on on that. I don't hate the idea of Ricky Weeks at all. I mean, I, I remember when we were at the game, I was actually thinking about how much you want to get Ricky Weeks, and I was thinking, do I really want Ricky Weeks? I would not be against the idea of Ricky Weeks. He's posting a 351, uh, slightly give or take. That was what he was posting on Saturday. Uh, 351 on base percentage. He's fast, and he's got some definite power in his bat. I mean, he's hit double-digit home runs this season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I... I, Who... We we need a second baseman. I mean, I guess I'm thinking too hard about this now, which is the way you don't want to do it when it comes to, like, where are we going to bat him? Yeah, we worry about that later once we have him, assuming we got him. Right. I don't I don't hate the idea. A lot of it would come down to, again, money issues and what would Milwaukee demand. Because they're in an interesting spot right now because they might have to move Prince Fielder pretty quick here because there's no way they're going to give him Ryan Howard plus money, and that's what he is most assuredly going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. So it, it depends if they're in kind of like Toronto's situation where they have a lot of the young guys they want up there and ready to go. And in a way, they do. I mean, they have Braun. They have... Alcides Escobar, they have um, Lucroix apparently, um, Gallardo's. You get, you see my point, but they might not be able to hang on to their superstar. Same thing with Toronto; they got a lot of young or at least team-controlled players. I mean, I guess in Vernon Wells' case, it's whether or not they want them, they have them. But they basically were like, you know what, Doc, we're gonna we're gonna move you here and try to restock the farm a bit. Maybe you can go win one because we're not in a place right now. And you know, so how it is with Philadelphia. And I think that would – that's actually not a fair comparison because Halliday is not I'm going to demand CC Sabathia money. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, at least I haven't heard him say that or read him saying that or anything like that. But, I mean, with Fielder, it seems more of I'm a superstar and I demand to be a superstar and blah, 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 superstar. Whereas Halliday is just like, you know, whatever. I love Toronto, but if you guys got to move me, I'll move. Right. So as far as that goes with Milwaukee – it really depends on if they think that they can overtake the Cardinals in the next couple of years here. And if they don't think they can and they figure they got to blow it up, then maybe we can look at weeks. But I don't necessarily see them as being a team that has to blow it up anytime soon. Their pitching has been in shambles. I mean, good Lord, Trevor Hoffman's on an ERA of nine. Trevor Hoffman is the second least valuable reliever in baseball this year. Oh, behind yeah, I mean, uh, Edgar Gonzalez. Of, not Edgar Gonzalez. Who's the new Gonzalez in Arizona? Oh, um, oh, it'll come to me. Oh, moving on. (laughs) We're going to sit here hemming and hawing until we realize that we can't think of his name. I'd be looking it up right now if it weren't for the fact that I don't want to damage my internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, I like the idea of Ricky Weeks. I think his power will play well here. Um, I think his speed will play well because we know how much we like speed. I think he could be a good – I mean, we're just going to be stacked with top-of-the-lineup hitters eventually because if EY comes back healthy – and that's another thing, too. They're going to sit on any trade proposition until middle of July. 
There's no right. way they don't because they, they, we haven't given Nelson a shot. Exactly. We, we like Eric Young still, even though he's not going to be back until Lewitsky's back probably. And, of course, when he, when he is, he's, uh, he's not going to play second. <laughs> oh, no. He'll be probably in center field again. It'll be great. Um, no, I could see Eric Young going back to AAA, no problem. Yeah. We, might, we just might not have – unless Nelson is hitting you know 100 and has proven that I am not ready for the majors yet – Eric Young will probably be the, the odd man out when he comes back and have to head back down himself. Yeah, all these uh, roster moves are kind of the thing we're going to have to take one step at a time because exactly. it's getting to the point where the, the roster's already messed up enough that it's going to depend on who – I mean, for example, both Herrera and Nelson will be considered for demotion, but whoever gets demoted might be the one who's being less valuable, and we don't know who that is yet. So Exactly. I mean, defensively, it's Herrera stays on the team, but offensively, I think there's a chance that Nelson could be the better man there, so it kind of depends on – whose liability or at least weakness is the stronger we are the worst weakness the weaker weakness and so so middle of july is pretty much where we're going to have to fish or cut bait and hopefully if we were thinking about getting a kelly johnson or ricky weeks or an aaron hill or a jose lopez or whoever hopefully by that point all those aren't off the table and we're left with having to either go with an internal candidate or trade for cesar as tourists oh no yeah no <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I kind of wonder. I mean, like, what about like Jeff Keppinger or something like that? I mean, I can't imagine they'd be too willing to move a cheap guy. But like, Houston is awful, just awful. Mm-hmm. And if they're not in complete sell, sell mode yet, they're they should they're be. They're close, yeah. I, I think that organization has deluded themselves into thinking that they're the same team that that went to the World Series in two thousand five. They almost strike me as the kind of team that would deliberately not go into sell mode just out of sheer like nostalgia <laughs> yeah no i really that, that's a really good way to put it because you i want like i don't know what ed wade is thinking or or um a drayton mclean i believe is the owner of the team but i, I it, it boggles me why they have not sold anybody of value yet because i mean i guess a lot of the problem is that like their best chips that aren't named Roy Oswalt aren't doing all that great this season. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at Lance Berkman specifically here. Carlos Lee, too. Carlos Lee, too. Well, the, Carlos Lee's an un- unmovable. There's no way. I mean, I, I know he's probably going to hit 30 home runs and 100 RBI this, up, you know, whatever season he's in. But he just started out so poorly. Yeah. And, he, and he's at a, the, he, he signed that $100 million contract back after uh, – uh, was he with, Yeah, he was with, with Milwaukee. Oh, I can never remember if Milwaukee traded for him or traded him away. I think they traded him away, but uh, th- it was a few years ago. I think it was 2006. Carlos Lee and uh, Francisco Cordero were traded, and then Cincinnati signed Cordero and Houston signed Lee. But big contract. It's not a movable contract because he's – I mean, I, well, I take it back because it, it's one of those kind of tough things because we know he can produce, but he's not. Right. But he's getting paid a lot of money. It's kind of wonder- my – my angle was kind of it's not the ideal trade contract, but it's also one that a team that's looking to make a big push and they have the money might be willing to consider if he's performing. Houston would have to eat a pile of that contract if they want to get anything of value back because if you want to move Carlos Lee, it's going to have to be the situation where it's like, okay, tell you what, you can have our B-list prospect and we'll get Carlos Lee, or you can have our A-list prospect and you eat half his contract. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what they're going to be stuck with. I don't know how completely strapped for cash or how swimming in money that organization is. I mean, just based on their payroll and their performance, I can't imagine they're that bad off because if they were that bad off, they would have gone to complete fire sale two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's also the fact that in 2008, I believe it was, Houston made a really a, a strong push into September and then collapsed, uh, collapsed three weeks out and the division went to St. Louis. So we've been Cubs. we've been going on them for a while here. We're already at forty minutes. Um, do you want to talk okay. about uh, some Father's Day related stories you have? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll, I'll try to make this brief because we've been talking a lot about. Well, I've been talking a lot about second base and probably talking too much. But uh, um, that's the point of the podcast, though, isn't it? For me to talk too much. Yeah, to talk too much. It, it is awesome. an outlet. It is a pontification outlet. I like the way you put that, pontification. That word is not used enough. No, I Anyways. actually used that word earlier today, and that's probably why it's fresh in my mind. <laughs> that's a good word. It's like a, it's a good $5 word right there. Um, no, Father's Day stuff, and the reason I bring this up is obviously because we're recording this on Father's Day, and uh, like my dad and I talk baseball an awful lot. Like baseball is one of the – well, have you ever seen the movie City Slickers? No, actually, which is it's odd funny. because I have seen most movies. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that's surprising. Uh, well, put it on your list. It's a good one. But anyways, there's a point where Daniel Stern is talking with Billy Crystal as they're riding on horses out in the middle of this cattle drive, and um, they're talking about baseball. And and one and one of the women on the trip says, "I don't understand what it is with you boys in baseball. I mean, honestly, who cares who played second base for the Cubs and you know?" And she just picks a year, and then all then Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern and I can't remember the third actor's name, but the three of them all simultaneously say the guy's name, and then Billy Crystal goes, "Beat you," and they all laugh, and it's funny. But they said, "Well, the thing with baseball, it's not even so much the sport as far as we get down on every pitch and all that. It's the fact that it's it's just kind of a guy thing that." Guys can always talk about baseball and sports in general. He says, my dad, and Daniel starts saying, my dad had all kinds of trouble growing up. Or maybe it was Billy Crystal. You see, the point is, uh, he says, you know, when I was growing up, my dad was never really there. We didn't have a good relationship. We, we had a lot of troubles in our family. But the one thing my dad and I could always talk about was baseball. And it's, it's such a, like a guy-neutral thing to be because there's no feelings involved. There's no trouble involved if you're talking about sports. You're not really thinking about real life anymore. And I think that creates a lot. I mean, it created a bond with me and my dad, and it still is. I mean, although I've gotten to the point now where I say, Dad, if you're going to get this frustrated about watching Clint Barmas pop out, I'm going to go watch a game downstairs by myself because we know he's going to pop out, and don't be so surprised by it. But uh, it makes me uh, – John McDonald is the reason I'm bringing all this up here. John McDonald is a utility infielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's about 36 or so, um, plays shortstop and second base. Not much of a bat, but uh, his father passed on relatively recently. Um, he, uh, he he took um, – it was two days ago, actually, that it, the funeral was, and I'm just reading this right off of MLB.com. Um, he said – his dad said – one of the last things his dad said to him was, hey, hit your next home run for me, would you? Which is, you know, your typical movie line emotional thing. But he says uh, – he kind of laughs and says, you know what, dad, I <laughs> – I'll try. I will do my best, but those things are hard to hit. And so it comes up on Sunday in the ninth inning, and he pinch hits, and he hits a home run. And a two-run blast, and he took Jeremy Affelt yard, which was uh, kind of cool because that means San Francisco had something bad happen. But they lost the game anyways. But John McDonald hit that home run for his dad, and and it was an emotional moment. Like I think it's I think what I was reading is that Vernon Wells was the first one to meet him back in the dugout, and it was kind of a touching moment because they both kind of cried on each other's shoulders for a couple of minutes because I guess they're fast friends or Vernon Wells just really empathized with him or whatever. But, you know, kind of a cool thing there that he was able to do that on uh, on uh, on Father's Day. It's kind of like um, like Bill Hall seemed to always hit a home run on Mother's Day and his mom would always be in the stands to watch him hit the home runs. Uh, it, ma- it makes me think back to 2004. We used to go to – we used to try to hit Father's Day baseball games. And uh, my dad, my brother, and I went in 2004 to watch Baltimore in Interleague. And I've mentioned this before in the forum, so anybody listening, you might know exactly where I'm going with this. I know the Lodo Magic Man list knows what I'm talking about because he gets just as angry as I do about this game. But uh, Joe Kennedy was with the team at the time still. And he came in and pitched seven innings of four-hit ball. And it was a scoreless game, or scoreless then. The Rockies scraped a couple runs out during the game against Daniel Cabrera and uh, hit one off their bolt. Actually, Mike DeJean, who ended up being a Rocky. But a 2 nothing game going into the ninth inning. And who should come up to pitch but our closer, Sean Chacone. <laughs> if you're not groaning yet, you should be. Um, first batter, Javi Lopez, uh, pop fly for an out. She's thinking this might end up okay. Then Jerry Hairston comes up, walks. Then uh, Dan- Dave-, Dave or Daniel Newhan, I don't have his form. Anyways, walk. Harrison to second base. Then uh, Sean Chacon faces uh, Jay Gibbons. Ground out to Helton. Uh, Harrison to third base. Newhan to second base. And then uh, another Lopez comes up. Sean Chacon walks him. Then Brian Roberts comes in and nails a home run. 4-2 Orioles. Rockies couldn't get anything going in the ninth. They had one double by uh, by Matt Holliday. But, uh, yeah, that was... Um, yeah, my dad was so mad at the end of that inning. He didn't stay to watch the Miguel Tejada ground out. My bro- he's like, we're out of here. And my brother and I are like, oh, okay. And we all stormed out of the park together. And, oh, boy, that's a Father's Day memory for you right there. Sean Chacon blowing a game wide open. Yeah, one of the most, one of the crispest memories in my mind. Uh, Joe Kennedy pitches seven. Hericola and Lopez keep it keep it a 2 nothing game. Then Sean Chacon comes in, walks him loaded. Blows the game right there on a grand slam. Has a, let's see right here. He had a negative uh, 803 WPA for that game. 
a negative 803. 800, that's, wow. Yeah, that he 80%. Wow. It, yeah. Definitely yeah, it, clutching defeat from the jaws of victory right there. It, it kind of makes me glad I didn't follow the team at that time. Yeah, no, 2004 is a frustrating year unless you like, were a big Jeremy Burnett's fan. Well, and I hear and, that 2005 was even worse. So. Well, 2005 was the to- first year, real year of Todd and the Toddlers. Because uh-huh. Atkins was up, Baker was up, Barmas was up. Um, I guess Aaron Miles was still at second base. Was Sullivan there? Sullivan was there, yep. He won the job in 2004. And that was after all the debacle with trading for uh, – trying to wheel and deal. I think that was year with Eric Burns. Anyways, mm. um, now fond, fond memories. And I can bring that game off my dad every time. And I just let him rant about how, what were they thinking closing with Sean Chacon? And, oh my goodness gracious. So Baseball with my dad has always been fun. In 2007, I got to uh, surprise him with world series tickets. Cause I'd gotten super lucky and got tickets for game three and game four. I only told him about the game three tickets though. And he couldn't come because the tickets were all spoken for. And so he was feeling all left out because my brother went to game three as well because another friend was able to score a rock pile ticket for him. And so I said, hey, you want to go watch the game at a sports bar downtown? And he says, well, sure, why not? And I said, let's grab something to eat at Chipotle first so we don't spend a million dollars on dinner. And so we're sitting there at the counter at Chipotle, and this is, this is right before game four. And I say, oh, hey, by the way, uh, where do you want to watch the game? And he goes, oh, I don't care. You pick. And I say, well, I have a uh, – I know of a uh, location around here. It's It's got a pretty good view of the game. I'm probably one of the better views of the game there. Um, food and drink's kind of expensive, though. And he goes, really? Where's that? And I slide two World Series tickets toward him. I said, oh, you know, Coors Field. And he's got his burrito in his hand. He's got a mouthful of rice and beans. And his eyes bugged out a solid inch. And he goes, with a mouthful of burritos, like, how did you get these? And I said, I said, oh, I didn't tell you about the, uh, the, game, uh, the game four tickets that I got, did I? <laughs> he, nice. he goes, no, you sure did. And I had my mom on speakerphone right there so they could hear his reaction. And, oh, man, so it's just a, sorry, sorry to reminisce so long there. But, but baseball, my dad's always been an interesting thing to, to experience. So let's uh, wrap up here real quick with a quick discussion about uh, the next couple series. We're going to be wrapping up interleague play, and we've got three games against the Red Sox over Tuesday through Thursday. And then we wrap up in Anaheim for the second straight year against the Angels. Uh, any thoughts? Well, for starters, I think it's kind of tragic that um, Aaron Cook's not not tragic, but I kind of wish Aaron Cook was starting against John Lester because Aaron Cook can, can pitch in Coors Field, and I would love to get some revenge for Game 4. Just just, just would love it because mm-hmm. I hate the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> just, just, just hate the team. I hope we step on them. I hope we grind them into the dirt. I really do. Oh, I do. Yeah, we we had a rough, we had a, a more significantly rough interleague schedule, I think, than some of the rest of our division, who all got to play Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't uh, seem very fair now, does it? Well, we got Kansas City, which is okay, true. Well, which is you know one bad team, but they're not Baltimore. They're better than Baltimore. No. Baltimore is apocalyptically bad this season. Ah, uh, I don't know how Baltimore fans stick up with it. I just don't understand it. But John Lester is going to be a tough, tough draw coming up here. He, 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 we're, oh boy, he strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. I mean, he's walking more than ever this year. But um, it's like not abominably bad. He doesn't give up very many home runs, and he's got a three 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 thirteen ERA. I'm not terribly excited about that um, that particular game. I, it'll be a tough one for Jacine to step up for because. I mean, as much as it is, you got to step up for every team you play. I mean, when it's the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, just step up a little more, you know? Yeah. And th- there might be some sort of intimidation or uh, exactly. lack of confidence there. But uh, I'm actually going to that Chassin versus Lester game, so we'll see how it goes. That should be, do, you know, do you know the matchups for the series? I do not yes. know them off the top of my head. Go for it. Um, well, it might take me a minute. There's Chassin versus Lester, then Jimenez versus Lackey. And the last one is going to be Hamill. And actually, I don't know who it is because... Well, Buck- Buckles is pitching tonight. He's pitching right now against the Dodgers. Well, if if they have a game off tomorrow... Well, no. If he's pitching tonight, then it's not going to be him. It won't be him, no. Three games, I'm just not sure if it's going to be... Uh, if we're going to get Beckett or if we're going to get um, Wake or what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, I know Matsuzaka is on the DL. 
So it could, I mean, I guess I just still don't know. Um, I'm trying to find their depth chart here to see their rotation lineup. Cause well, you, you can just go to their prob the probable pitchers list. It, it, it'll be up there. I just didn't check today. Gotcha. I mm, didn't even think to look at probable pitchers list schedule. I think it's under news actually. News. <laughs> Probable pitchers. Yeah. Hey, everyone, MLB.com, go to news, then probable pitchers so you don't look like an idiot like me. Okay, we got John Lester versus Chassine, John Lackey versus Ubaldo, and then it looks like they have Dice K versus Hamill. Oh, so they are going to put, they are going to activate him, I it guess. Looks like it. Making your turn to the rotation Thursday against the Rockies after spending time on the DL. There you go. Matsuzaka's hoping to pick up right where he left off in his last start against Cleveland on June 7th. I think the most winnable game in that series will be against Lackey. Because Lackey's been very underwhelming this year. He has, but he's picked it up. Uh, no, you're, you're, and you're right. I'm not. I, I shouldn't be too hard on the guy, considering how well he pitched for Anaheim. But I mean, he's 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 keeping the ball in the park relatively well. But he's his strikeout numbers have just dropped off the table. I mean, 2007, it was it was Sabathia, Lackey, and Beckett all up for the American League Cy Young. And Lack, I mean, it was more uh, Sabathia and Beckett. But Lackey was right behind, like right nipping at their yeah. heels, and he struck out a lot of guys. But this year, he's got striking out five per nine, walking almost four per nine. I mean, if if there's any team that he's going to turn around on, it'll probably be us. We'll strike out a zillion times and forget to walk. But uh, I think we have a shot of hitting him because I don't. He's I don't think he's pitched here before. Maybe not. I uh, I can't remember if we faced him last season, but of course that was in Anaheim. So. Yeah. Um, the good nope. thing is that none of their, I mean, Lester is going to be the toughest draw, obviously, but after that, like none of their guys, I mean, Wakefield's never been too huge. I mean, he's a knuckleballer. He kind of is what he is, but, um, Matt Sazaka's not striking out nearly as many and he's walking just as many as he ever has. Um, Beckett's strikeout numbers are down. I mean, we're not facing him obviously. So I guess that's kind of not the point there, but I mean, the good thing is that their strikeout numbers aren't that high this season. And given that's a weakness of our team, like, I think we'll have a shot against – I'm not trying to just give up against John Lester, but I'm just not terribly confident that we're going to have the, the oomph to beat him. I think we're going to do the best against Lackey and uh, and Matsuzaka, but we also have that tendency to make pitchers that are trying to find some footing look amazing. And we've had a tendency to touch some of the pitchers that have been looking untouchable. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's, it's very perplexing, in fact. Like, his last – let's see – Last two weeks, last two starts, uh, Lester has pitched 13 innings, 5-5-4 ERA. He struck out 15 in 13 innings, only walked four. That's not pretty. No, but he's given up runs, so. Yeah, but his, la his last start, he uh, went seven innings, two runs, one dinger, seven strikeouts, uh, three walks. So here's hoping that I can't strike anyone out, but I will walk everyone. John Lester shows up. I won't lie, I am not holding my breath. Mm. Well, we're at 55 minutes already. Wow, that was, that was a, a long super edition. Well, I hope you all enjoyed my rambling about my dad in baseball. And about second base and about yeah, everything. I rambled a lot today. I hope, you, okay, I hope you're okay with that. Yes, we will be very informative to everyone. Yay! Uh, we make a difference. Ta-da! No. Yeah. <laughs> um, my so, life is now validated. Thank you, everyone. So I think uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Um, on behalf of myself and Andrew, take care. We'll see you next week.